welcome to the Hospice Podcast from St John's Hospice in Little Lancashire. I'm Sophie and we're here today to talk about ways you can look after someone at home when they, when they are at the end of their life. And today I'm with Dawn and Emma. Dawn, tell me about your role here at St John's. Well I'm one of the healthcare assistants who goes out into the community from hospice at home and um, we bear there to look after your loved ones whilst you go out for a couple of hours if you'd like or if you want to catch up on some sleep we're there and that's what we do. That's great thank you. Over to you Emma. Hiya um, thank you for having me I'm um, Emma and I'm a registered nurse and I'm the head of the ward here at St John's um, and I look after patients that come to us for end of life care or for symptom control. Perfect. So one of the things I really want us to focus on today is obviously bearing in mind you've both got a lot of expertise. Today is really about that advice on how to look after someone at home when you've got no clinical knowledge, when you're not a health professional. So obviously there are a lot of people out there who will say, oh, I can't do that. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. Um, you know, I can't do it. But you're going to tell us that there are lots of things that you can do, aren't there, to yeah. look after someone at home without being a health professional. So I'm going to start with mouth care, simply for the reason, this is one of the big things, isn't it, that comes up with people saying, oh, for example, his mouth is really dry, mm. but he can't have a drink, I don't know what to do. So, yeah, um, mouth care is, is, is really important, and it's often one of the things that gets forgotten about or overcomplicated right um so you know we all wake up in the morning with a bit of a dry mouth and we we reach for a drink or we're not happy until we've brushed our teeth and you know we've we've cleansed our palate for the day and it, it's the same for anybody so it's about being able to do those simple things that provide comfort so we can do that with um a soft bristled toothbrush okay and you could use some um you can use anything, uh, any fluid. Uh, so if you want to use a toothpaste, you can use it like a, a baby toothpaste, something that's not too strong right. or too minty. Um, but you could also use fluids like, you know, a cup of tea. You know, dip your toothbrush in a cup of right. tea and just gently move that around your teeth and your gums just to bring some hydration and, and you know, just brush or clean where you can see. You know, don't go too deeply down the back okay. of the throat. And, but don't be afraid either, you know, just gently using that toothbrush. Yeah, that's good advice. And also, if um, they do wear dentures, you could take the dentures out, give them a really good clean under the tap. Just, Great. Just like you would normally, and then um, put them back in for them. Yeah. As carefully as you can. Yeah. And just like when Emma was saying, just use your favourite drink to maybe give the mouth care you could also use maybe a red wine to do it later yeah, yeah. yeah so if they had a yeah. glass of red wine with their That's, evening meal yeah, or you thing. yeah do that, do that. okay yeah, tipple yeah tipple squash tea coffee anything. whatever anything. Yeah. yeah but only dipping in we're not oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. just dip the brush in and yeah. um if you're not able to access someone's mouth with a toothbrush you can instead just wet a cloth or wet something just to, to dampen their lips um, just so that you've not got dry lips and use things like um, 
lip balms. So can you use things like Glitzil and Vaseline? Is that okay? Yeah, you can use all those things, but just be mindful that your loved one's not on oxygen. Right, so it's a, it's a no-no if you're on oxygen to be using Vaselines and lip balms, is it? Yeah, just because it, it's the potential. Yeah, so you just can't use it in that case, but you can use it for anyone else. And also, so, you know, like I said, first thing in the morning is, is a crucial time to do that. After someone's had a sleep and they've woken up, again, you know, you can be feeling quite dry. And just doing that, at, you know, every few hours through the day, just to keep them nice and hydrated. And also, like Dawn mentioned about using different kinds of fluids, just helps to stimulate taste as well. While we're talking about taste, can I ask you about food and drink? And I'm asking about this because I think it's quite an emotive subject. So it's one of the things we, we all do, isn't it? You make someone's favourite food, someone's drink. It's, it's one of the things we all do when people are well or poorly, isn't it? It's how we nurture them with food and drink. And then as a person comes towards the end of their life and they can't have their favourite Sunday roast or whatever it was, what can you do about food and drink then? Because people get quite upset, don't they? Like, I've made this for her and she doesn't want it. What you could do is give them a lot smaller um, options. Okay. Make them just smaller. You could, um, even if they're having difficulty maybe swallowing, mince it up, mince everything up. Okay. And um, it would go down a lot easier. That makes sense. But if um, your loved one's got to the stage where they just don't fancy food whatsoever, um, what I'd advise is or say is just maybe take a bit of ice cream. Okay. You know, because mm. that would go down very easily and it would be also good for the mouth as well because mm. it would keep it cool and moist. Quite refreshing. Yes. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is don't force food and drink down people. No, no it's quite normal for someone's appetite to diminish and then to not have that drive to eat as they were doing before. And I think, like you say, I think families can sometimes feel that that's something that we can do for somebody. Yeah. That's some certain food that they yes. always liked. And it can be disappointing when you make something and they don't want it. Um, but, you know, if you make something that they do like, portion it up into smaller portions and freeze bits of it that you can then thaw out and just give yeah. little and often yeah. rather than... You know, wanting someone to eat a big meal three times a day. It's not going to happen. Just something little, you know, throughout the day. So, small portions. Got it. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. Food, drink, what goes in must come out. Yeah. Which takes us to personal care. And again, this is a big subject, isn't it? Because I think with a lot of people that, you know, personal care is an important part of our daily routine isn't it and then when you're really poorly and end of life and you can't do that for yourself I'm imagining a couple at home where for example she needs personal care he can't lift her out of bed where on earth do you start with that when I say lift her out of bed can't lift her out of bed for example for a shower or a bath Mm. where would you go with that um so, yeah, if you're not able to, to provide someone's personal care, like you say, by lifting someone and putting them in a bath, or there, there's personal care that you can do at the bedside. Right, yeah. Um, and it's 
you know, everyone's different and everyone has different feelings about providing personal care. Um, so you've got to be comfortable as the person that's going to do it. And also you've got to know that the person receiving the personal care would want you to do that as well. So as a relative, you're going to know them best and you're going to know what they want and who they would want to have involved. And who they wouldn't, I'm thinking as a listening to who they wouldn't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and about, you know, involving the professionals to help with that. Um, so, you know, professionals can come and, and help to transfer someone into a bath or they can do a full bed bath for an individual at home in bed. Um, so as a relative, the things that you can provide are, you know, lots of nice, big, fluffy towels. Dawn's nodding here on the big fluffy mm. towels. Yeah, um, nice um, clothing to put on. So nice, clean pyjamas, fluffy socks, um, nice, clean bed linen so you can change the bed. Yeah. Um, nice smellies. So what did they usually use when they cared for themselves? What was their routine? What did they like to have on? Okay, yeah. so fa- favourite toiletries? Yeah, everything like that is really good. Favourite perfumes, aftershaves, and like for men, you know, do they want to be shaved? Do they not want to be shaved? Right, and yeah. And another thing is when you're giving personal care to somebody and you just try and be exactly the same as they were, they might not fancy the personal care until lunchtime. Yeah. They may mm-hmm. just maybe fancy a lazy morning and then their personal care was later on in the day mm. so sticking with that person's routine, routine i think i'm yeah. hearing yeah. yeah and yeah. back to the fluffy towels here mm. why why are, we, why are we into the big fluffy towels so you can maintain someone's dignity using flower uh, flowers using towels um and so obviously if so some of the, the things if someone's laying there and they're anxious about someone providing their personal care it's having an awareness of that so talking to them all the time explaining what you're doing yeah. but also thinking about the environment that you're in so saying to them i'm here to help you have a wash this morning um i've made sure that the front door's locked so no one's going to wander in on us good you know mm-hmm. i've pulled the curtain shut so we've nobody looking in those are all just going to help to make that person feel more at ease yeah. making sure that it's in a warm environment you know, so you've had the heating on a bit if it's cold, just to yeah. nip out the air because, you know, we all know we don't want to take our clothes off when it's cold. So yeah. things like that just to keep us warm and comfortable. And then, for example, if you say, you know, I'm, I'm now going to take your pyjama top off, I'm lifting your arm out, I'm undoing your buttons, talking through what you're doing so that it gets rid of that awkwardness. Yes. Because I think we can feel uncomfortable when it's not something that we're used to doing. So talk your way through it. And then use your towel to cover up. So once you've taken that top off, put that towel across them so that you're covering the top whilst you're getting to your warm water and your toiletries. Yeah. And then making sure that whilst you're working on someone's legs that their top half is covered up yeah. with a towel. So it's just always thinking about maintaining that dignity. Because Dawn, as well, you, I'm thinking of the number of times you're going into people's homes mm-hmm. and they don't know you and they may feel awkward about it. Mm-hmm. This is obviously what you do as well, isn't yeah, it? It is, yeah. And um, like Emma said, we just chat to um, your loved ones. We'll just talk to them. And if they can respond and tell us what they like, or yeah. what they want, what they don't want, that's good. But if they can't, um, we'll just carry on talking to them anyway. And just like Emma said, as we just 
let them know exactly what we're doing. What's happening There's no next. surprises. We don't yeah. just grab an arm or move a leg. We always say, we're just about to do this. I hope this is okay with you. And we just do what we need to do. That's really yeah. comforting to hear. And what you're saying, without being rude to you both, is common sense. But yeah. these are things that we forget. And I could imagine... But for a number of people, they, they might be quite agitated. So to hear you explain what happens next, what they're doing, like you said, favourite perfumes, aftershaves, yeah. scents, products, yeah. all, all these Sometimes things. just sitting with somebody and with a hand cream and, you know, massaging that gently into someone's hands. Yeah. You know, that can feel comforting. Somebody wore a face cream at night, putting their face cream on. Yeah. You know, just things that they liked doing when they could do it for themselves. We are just an extension of that. And and as a loved one, you know them better than anybody. You know what they do and don't like. Yeah. And it's about maintaining that environment, how that person liked it when they were able to say. So if they were used to living in a quiet environment, then it's safeguarding that. But if yeah. they were used to noise and the TV and the radio and you know, it's having that as well. So it's it's what's comfortable and usual for them. And again, Dawn, you will see this in all the different homes that you go into. People, we all have different lifestyles, don't we? Some of us like daytime TV, some of us don't. Yeah, exactly, yes. Some people do enjoy the hustle and bustle of family and friends coming through and chatting and, you know, having the radio on yeah. and whatnot. So, and if that's a comfort to them, that's great. That's what we'd always do. So again, it's yeah. keeping up with this everyday yeah. routine, isn't it? It is. Whatever the yeah. loved one enjoys or likes, we we just an extension of that. We do exactly what they're after. What they like. Yeah. So does this also reduce agitation? I'm thinking aloud here. Does it reduce agitation having that everyday routine? Yeah. Those familiar yeah. smells, those familiar but noises. I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah. It helps with sleep routine as well. So, you know, if it's the daytime, have the curtains open so that some natural light can get in yeah. because that triggers our body to recognise that it's day. You know, and the okay. same at night time, make sure that you've got the curtains drawn too, that you've got the environment nice and dark because it triggers our bodies to be asleep and it helps our bodies to be in that natural sleep and awake mm -hmm. cycle. And, you know, when it comes to agitation, again, you know your relative better than anyone. It's looking for those visual cues of distress, you know, the scrunching their face yeah. up when something's being right. done or something that they're hearing. So you can change things in the environment to try and get rid of that. And I, with a patient, you know, if it's a patient that's new to me and I don't know what might be causing that distress, I'll do a kind of top-to-toe survey. So I'll think about the top of the head and is there anything that could be causing them discomfort? You know, is the head itchy? If there's their hair at a funny angle behind the back so of the head? So go on, go on, Emma. What do you do if someone's got an itchy scalp, an itchy head? So brush, brush the hair. Move the hair yeah. from the back of the head. Turn the pillow over. You know, if you've got a pillow and it's got too hot or it's crumpled behind the back of your head, turn it over to the nice, smooth, cool side. That can bring comfort and... Dawn's really nodding here at this pillow business. So obviously, you're again, you're going into people's homes, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So um, that's exactly what we do right. in the community. We do everything what Emma's just told us about. We um, try and keep the patient comfortable if they're in their beds yeah. or if they're in a hospital bed at home. 
um, that's always helpful if they are in a hospital mm. bed because they've got controls and we can hire the bed up to our height. Yeah. Um, we but can put not, the legs up and we can sit them up with yeah. a hospital bed a lot easier. How do you sit someone up at home? So they're not in a hospital bed, they want to be in their own bed. How do you how do you sit someone up? How how do you know make them comfortable? And the reason I ask is I'd be worried about moving someone or turning someone. Yeah. yeah. Um if if they're laying down yeah. and there's nobody else in but myself, I would get down to them and well I'd ask them first if I could, you know, if or if I could move them up, sit them up, or if they could maybe even help me. Because sometimes people can help by pushing their arms behind them and pushing up a bit if they're still able to. Okay. Other than that, I'd um, try and sit them up the best I could and then I'd um, arrange pillows behind them, depending yeah. on how many pillows we've got, of course. So, like using pillows like an armchair then? Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. Pillows and cushions are our friends. We can <laughs> use them in lots of ingenious ways to get someone comfortable. You know, so, you know, have a look at that person in that bed or that chair and think, do they look comfortable? You can tell if someone kind of looks comfortable. Yeah. You know, if they got something True. that's resting on them, have they got a wire or a tube that's digging in anywhere? Okay. You know, if they've got um, a syringe driver that's being used that, or they're using oxygen, you know, is it comfortable behind their ears? Is it resting on them somewhere? Mm. So just have a think about, are they resting on their arm in a, yeah. uncomfortable right. manner and, yeah. and then you can prop pillows behind the back of somebody's knees to take pressure off their lower back or their hips and their knees you can put a pillow between legs you know there's there's lots of different ways that you can use pillows just to make things more comfortable yeah and prevent pressure and say if they've got um a catheter it's a catheter tube pressing on the legs mm, of course you know yeah. or is that you know twisted mm. yeah you know so you can do all those checks as well emma i'm going to yeah. take you back to that expression you used before about the, the, the top to toe check so literally starting with the head yeah so i'm thinking itchy head thinking dry eyes you know someone's eyes dry you know they got a dry mouth so i'm working my way down and just systematically thinking about each body part have they got a headache um, um go, coming down to arms and shoulders at a funny angle do they look uncomfortable is their skin red or um is it breaking down is there any dry patches yeah. you know is there somewhere that i just need to put some moisture cream on mm -hmm. um coming down to tummies and bums you know have they had a wee um have they had their bowels open recently well we're back to agitation again aren't yeah, we yeah yeah and it's just that you know the simple normal things that we do um is that individual able to do that have they the dry mouth have they had a wee and if they haven't it's about um you know engaging with care professionals and letting them know and you know if they've not had the bowels open for a period of time and we're concerned it's speaking to the gp or the district nurses or whoever's coming in and providing yeah. care because there are things that we can then do to support them being able to do that because again i'm thinking about someone at home mm. where for example it, that person may not have the strength to take them to the bath or shower like we said before or actually pick them up or move them to a mm. commode or to the bathroom so 
you know, back back to passing water yeah. and opening bowels. You're at home with someone. Is this where the district nurse gets involved? Yes, the district nurse can be involved, but um, maybe at that time, if you can't get your loved one out of bed mm -hmm. to get to a commode or a bathroom, um, you may then, um, the district nurse could come out and do a, an assessment and right. maybe get pads for them. Right, so then continence wear, pads. Yes, yeah. so yeah. then they'd be wearing them. And looking at um, supporting a care package as well to come in and help with those things. If you've reached a point where you're unable to provide that level of care, then it's, you know, engaging with the GP and the district nurses around what is there out there that can support me at home. Mm -hmm. So we'll be looking at carers coming in at certain points during the day to help with moving and, and bathing and um, so continence care. I think what I'm hearing as well is if you're struggling, reach out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But as a loved one, you're the one that's able to say, you know, what, what we're struggling with and, and yeah. to realise that you don't have to do it on your own. There are people out there that can help. That's great to know. While we're talking about agitation, bowels, urine, let's talk about dignity. Mm. Let's talk about dignity at the end of life. You, you know, you're at home. You're not able to eat as much as you, you you used to be able to. You're not able to open your bowels without support for someone. How do you, if it was your loved one, how would you help that person who may have concerns who may be sitting there thinking, this is just so undignified, I can't even do this anymore? Mm. Is there anything that you could do to support them? Yeah, definitely. We we'd go in and... I think the best thing is that we can do is just talk with people, yeah. make them feel at ease, mm. you know, and just make them realise, you know, this is something we can help them with. It, it, yeah. is, it isn't a big deal well, to us. It obviously is to themselves, but to us, mm. it's what we do. And it's that reassurance. We yeah. do this all day, yeah, every day. Yeah, we do it all day, every day. And you can do that as a relative, yeah. can't you? It's normalising yeah. it, isn't it? It's yes. saying, you know, mm. I know this might not, be easy for you, me having to wash you or to bathe you, but I'm happy to do this for you because I want to keep you comfortable. And these yeah. are things that I have to do for myself every day. I'm just helping you with them too. It's, you know, these are just normal everyday functions and it's about explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it and not feeling, and I think sometimes talking through what you're doing as well gets rid of that awkward atmosphere in the air. You okay. know, you're trying to, you're doing everything really silent because you're feeling awkward and uncomfortable yourself. They're going to pick up on that, aren't they? He's talking through it, you know, and if, you know, sometimes you drop something if you're fumbling, it's all right to laugh about that and say, oh, silly me. And, you know, it's yeah. just um, keep talking, keep explaining. And, you know, if you're comfortable with it, then they're going to feel comfortable mm. too. So if you're with somebody and they are at the stage where they're, they're struggling to communicate, so they can't say, I like that, I don't like that, water's too hot, water's too cold, and they can't talk back to you. What would be your best advice at that point? Um, well, we'd ask the relatives what they liked. What is their best thing, you know, for their loved one? What did they like? Yeah. You know, did they like soap in the water? Did they like soap on the body? You know, do they have a special cream they like? We're going yeah. back to that sort of thing again now. 
yeah. which is all relevant. Um, we just gather our information mm. from yeah. the loved one. What were the favourite pyjamas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We get them out for them, get the socks out, the woolly yeah. socks out yeah. for them. If you you like two do like socks. fluffy towels on woolly socks oh, and fluffy socks, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Pillows. Good fluffy socks. Yeah. Must be the time yeah. of year. Yeah. <laughs> or if they don't like socks, obviously we won't put them on. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we've got just whatever they like, whatever yeah. they love, we just go by what what was their regime basically? Yeah. yeah. What would they routine. do if they were doing it for themselves? Yeah. 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 I'm conscious that we've talked a lot about the practical and physical sides of things like, you know, food and drink, personal care mouth care i'm going to ask you now about psychological distress or psychological yeah. agitation because i understand what you're saying you can look for a dry mouth skin yeah. changes you know passing urine looking for dry skin mm. we can't see inside the mind so where do we go with that that's about <clears throat> having conversations whilst we still can early on in someone's journey it's about asking them what matters to you, what's important to you, what brings you comfort, where would you want to be, who do you want to have caring for you. Lots of information gathering about that individual. Um, if we're at a stage where actually we haven't been able to do that, so one mm -hmm. of the key things that we do at the hospice, obviously, when we have a patient that comes to us, is finding out about psychological support and family support and who's in their family and yeah. who uh, is important to them in life and making sure that we allow opportunities for people to visit and people to join in with activities mm -hmm. so if you're at home it's about keeping that environment um the way that they want it when they're able you know so like i said if it's a, if they used to peace and quiet not loads of people around mm -hmm. then maintain that if they're used to having people round and the dog in and the TV on, like you said, then John, some people that. like the hustle and bustle, don't they? Do, they? Yeah. If you're aware that there may have been an estranged relative that that yes. individual has always wanted to make yeah, amends please. with, then you can look to try and facilitate that. So you you you're nodding here, John, aren't you? Saying the word peace. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um. Yeah, I think um. You know, when people are navigating towards the end, they, they do have a lot on their minds, you know, and they like to try and get things sorted out for themselves, you yeah. know, to sort of put things in order, really. Yes. And not only the paperwork, it's with the loved ones. They may have had a fallout, like yeah. lots of families do. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're You right. know, and they might be thinking, you know, I really want to make peace with so-and-so. Mm. Let's, yeah. you know, could you try and get them in? Let's try and... Have that I want to apologise or, you know, I, I want to clear the air. Yes. I want, yeah. I want to get it off my mind. Yeah. And that's another thing with TikTok. It's like um, like with your wills and everything. Is, if you've um, got everything sorted, you've thought ahead while she was still well enough to do these things yeah. and you've got everything done that you wanted to do, you know, you can be more relaxed. Because you're not worrying about such a lot of different yeah. things. 
and then you're a lot more peaceful. Yeah, you know, so that reduces the psychological yeah. distress, doesn't it? Because, yeah. like you're, you're, like you're both saying, mm. maybe it's I'm sorry, maybe it's please forgive me, yeah. maybe it's I forgive you. Yeah. What else do people want to hear? You know, I love you. Yes. yes. Thank you yes. for being in my yeah. life. Yes. Yeah, talking yeah, about, just, me, you know, talking about memories and good times yeah. and things that you've done together. You know, saying, you know, oh, I, I still, I still remember that time that we did this mm. and. You know, we laughed about that and, you know, thank you for that. And, you know, talking about those yeah. really important mm. experiences in life that you've had together. So, again, the chat yeah. of the normality, yeah. not the shh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not to be quiet. Yeah. Unless, of course, the person likes That's quiet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. you know. You, and, I, and I think when we were talking about meals, I think the reason why families get attached to providing meals for somebody is because that's a part of a normal routine, isn't it? Of course. You make lunch, yeah. you make the evening meal, and you can still do that. You know, they can smell what's going on around. And might know. be able to have a little teaspoon Exactly, or not. that might then trigger that they want to try a little bit. And also, you know, you're still able to sit in the room with your loved one whilst you're having your meal yeah. because it's that social chatter. Yes. You know, it's that conversation when you're sitting and you're eating and yeah. you don't feel that you've got to hide off in another part of the house because they're not able to have a meal with you. And if you normally have the TV on, have the TV yeah. on. Yeah. If Definitely. It's, yeah. Just, just be just be as you were. Yeah. yeah. You know, just because somebody's navigating towards the end doesn't mean to say your normality has to stop. Yeah, yeah there are still things you, know, you can yeah. do. Yeah, And, and hearing is still there. Yeah. You know, we can hear everything that's going on around us. Is that yeah. true or is that an old wives' tale? No, no. I think evidence suggests that hearing is possibly the last of our senses that we lose. Yes. And Dawn? Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that. And I just talk non-stop <laughs> to our patient, <laughs> our, your loved ones... Yeah. You know, that are there, even if they can't communicate back, if they're unconscious or whatever, hear. I do believe they can still hear. Yeah. So I just talk about, well, what I've done really, yeah. and what sort of a day it is. And I tell them the date, I tell them what time it is, mm. I tell them, you know, what the weather's like, tell yeah. them who's in the news and what's happening. Right. Just, just everyday things, mm. really. This is really, really helpful. Yeah. You can pick up as well on those non-visual cues. You know, so you can look at your loved one and if they're grimacing, they want you to shut up because <laughs> they're having a sleep. You know, it's yeah. having an aware... When someone can't actively communicate what they yeah. want and need, it's mm. then having awareness of looking for those non-visual cues um, that will, you know, prompt you as to what somebody does or doesn't want you to talk about or to do. And on the subject of talking about, is there anything that I've not asked you that you think we should talk about? It doesn't matter if there isn't, but I'm just conscious that on... I always do these on these podcasts, yeah. fire loads of questions. What's the one big thing that you'd love people to take away from listening to this? Not to be afraid. Yeah. Okay. Of um, caring for your loved ones or sitting with them, talking to them. You know, just be as you always were. Mm. That's the best thing that I think you can do. Yeah, and, and to not think that the carer or the medical professional that comes in is the best person for them. Actually, the best person mm. for them is that loved one because you know them better than anybody else. And, you know, not to be afraid to guide us, to tell us what they would want or wouldn't want. 
yeah because that helps us to be able to do what we need to do as well it's about working together as a team to provide the best comfort that we can emma dawn you've been an absolute delight thank you so much for joining us today this is the end of this hospice podcast for today please join us again soon thank Thank you. you thank you If you feel this has been helpful to you and will be useful for someone else, please do share it. We'll be with you again soon, talking through a different palliative care subject. To make sure you don't miss the next one, simply choose the subscribe option. Thank you for listening today.